The holidays are just around the corner, and one of the best gifts you can give anyone is a skylight frame. We have given this as a gift one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight times we've given this. No, nine times we've given I this. I think as a at gift. nine or ten, yeah. Uh, it is fantastic. It is great for a parent. It's great when you, if you want to keep in touch. All, all you do is you upload these photos uh, to a web, to an email, mm-hmm. and then they upload to your skylight. That's right. So you can share all the photos with your family. We have one for my mom and my dad, my sisters. You have one for your mom, one for your dad. One they for wanted, my, they each wanted one their to own. My sister Annie, one for my sister Cotty. One for my dad. And there's one for your dad. Oh, we've given it probably 15 One to your aunt Judy. <clears throat> we give them to everyone. One to all the campers. Because they're good looking. They're sleek. They're nice. It looks like a legit, looks like a legit picture. Photo frame, yeah. And, and it just comes up. You can email from anywhere. It's a great way to feel close to those when you're separated. And it's effortless. You can set it up in just 60 seconds. Plug it in. Use the touch screen to connect to your wireless network and enjoy. Sending photos to Skylight Frame is effortless. It really is. It's as easy as sending an email. And the cool thing is you can log in. I'm not even reading this. This is my experience. You you can just log into their website and download any of those pictures. So instead of emailing or texting a picture to my mother-in-law, I just send it to her Skylight. And then she can put it on any device or she can print it out. She can put it in her Dropbox. She can do whatever she wants to with it. You can preload it for your family. Yes. If you want to give it as a gift, you can preload it. It was a personalized gift, important pictures of yourself. And there's a 100% satisfaction guarantee. If you don't love your Skylight, they'll offer you a free refund. <laughs> now is a special offer. You can get $10 off your purchase of a Skylight Frame when you go to skylightframe.com and enter the code BERT. That's right. You get $10 off your purchase of a Skylight Frame. Just go to skylightframe.com and enter the code BERT. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E.com. And the promo code is BERT. Hey guys, brand new podcast. I am on the road. Go to burtburtburt.com. These are the dates scrolling. Those are the cities I'm in. Come find me on the road. I love you with all my heart. Today's podcast is a great one. Uh, I saw this guy's show, Quiet Storm, on my own way before I knew he was going to be on the podcast. Then I saw on my own once again, Untold Malice in the Palace. It is fucking awesome. It is all about the Malice in the Palace when the when the Pacers and the Pistons got into a fight, the fans got involved, and this gentleman ended up in the stands. We talk about that. We definitely talk about that. We talk about a lot of things. We talk about music. I introduce him to Steely Dan. Mm-hmm. And the greatest thing that's ever happened on this podcast, he watches Tom Segura try to dunk. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, he has a podcast called Metaphorically Speaking. He has a new app called X versus X. Go to the App Store. Pick it up. We talk about that. We talk about his podcast, and we talk about everything you want to hear. It, it is a great podcast. We also talk uh, about the loss of his friend, Kobe Bryant, and what Kobe meant to him and what Kobe taught him. He is. It is a great conversation, but like I said, most importantly, he sees Tom Segura dunking, and it's maybe the best thing I've ever done on this podcast. It's so great. That and introducing him to Steely Dan. Uh, without further ado, uh, my friend, professional basketball player, uh, uh, podcaster, philanthropist, businessman, um, rapper, uh, Queensbridge uh, local, Queensbridge alumni, I guess you'd say, Meta Sandiford Artest. This is 
are you cool to start? We'll just roll right into this, right? Yeah, yeah. By the way, fucking great interviewing all that smoke. Uh, all the smoke. All that smoke, yeah, yeah. Dude, mm-hmm. fucking hats off to those guys. They do a great goddamn podcast. Yeah. I didn't realize that's that's, that's Stephen uh, Jackson from mm-hmm. your team. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that. Yeah, here, pull that yeah, mic up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bond, yeah. That's a great fucking. A I mean, show. I hate to I I hate to to do an, an interview with you where I basically am like the the white guy asking you the questions that I didn't understand. Mm-hmm. Like because because there's so much like Queensbridge. I didn't realize mm-hmm. what fucking Queensbridge was. Now I knew by watching Quiet Storm yeah. that Nas and Mob Deeper from there. Yeah, yeah. I did not know Roxanne Shante was from there. Oh yeah, for sure, dude. A lot of a lot of history. Yeah, a, a lot, lot of history. Well, first of all. I didn't realize how big it is. Yeah. It's huge. You look it's, at an aerial view. Yeah. And it's, it looks like the size of Central Park. Yeah, for sure. So wait, what? It's, so tell me, uh, first of all, how old were you? Did you, what, did you remember hearing Roxanne, Roxanne? Well, Roxanne, do you remember hearing Roxanne? When you were a kid, do you remember yeah, you hearing? remember? Of course I do. Where are you from? Tampa, but. but oh, right. Yeah, but I had kids. So I, my cousins all grew up in Philadelphia. Okay. And I had two cousins who grew up in a place called Norristown, mm-hmm. which was a little... It was a little more diverse. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they introduced me to all the hip hop that I, that I'd go up there for the summer mm-hmm. and they'd be like, you got to hear UTFO, uh, 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 Mantronics. Um, they introduced me to DJ Jazzy Jeff, the Fresh Prince, and then Roxanne Chante and the real Roxanne and all of that. I remember hearing that and just going like, I make you feel hotter than it is in Granada. The mm-hmm. R-O-X-A-N-N-E. <laughs> That's right. Roxanne is who I... That's I tried crazy. to explain that to my daughters, but that was like... She was like 14 years old. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, so I'm, I'm 41. So when Roxanne was a young... I would, I guess she's... She's got to be 50, 40. Yeah, she's got to be in her 50s. 48, 48. Something like that. So she used to babysit me when I was a baby. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, that's like... um kind of my claim to fame with Roxanne because um, my mama, I knew it for a long time and my mother used to tell me that. And then when I heard that, I guess like in the in the early 90s, you know, Roxanne was just coming out of her prime in terms of being an artist. Yeah. But we knew about the records in the early, you know, when you're seven years old, eight years old, you hear the songs that would, came out in 79. Yeah. Even though you didn't know about it in 79. I was born in 79. But they still rotating the records. Yeah, of course. Right? So her records is rotating in the neighborhood. And as you find out about the records, and then a year later, two years later, three years later, you find out, oh, wow. Like saying he's a babysitting. So you go outside, you start bragging. Yeah. You hear the record. Oh, yeah, she's the babysitting. But um, I know her, her family. Um, she grew up on 12th Street. Her mom. Um, and then the history goes on and on. Ma, you know, Roxanne's from the same block as Mob Deep. You, you talked about that. You talk about Nas's block, Mob Deep's block. And, it, and it's kind of interesting that I found it really fascinating that that a guy could define a block. Mm-hmm. That that was like, that's a claim to fame. That it, Yeah, because Queensbridge is different. Yeah? Yeah, very close. The blocks are probably um, 20 feet apart. Maybe 25 feet apart in terms of the driveway. Yeah, You got two parking areas and you have the street where one-way streets right so you know probably from here to this wall is the street then that's the next block right and then the next block you got your own group of stars that are not just stars in the neighborhood but stars you know regionally nationally internationally yeah you know what i'm saying and then um and, and quite a few basketball players also that came 
you you guys talked about that. You guys talked, and I, I hate to parrot a, what is a fantastic interview. I mean, yeah. it really is. Great podcast, fantastic interview. But you guys went through and you talked about guys that were supposed to blow up and then got shot or got popped for dealing drugs. And, and you, how many of those, what percentage of wise would you say of players when you were growing up were you you get to the NBA and you're like, well, man, that guy should have definitely gone. And that a lot. Guy, really. Yeah, because the NBA is all about, you know, professionalism. It's all about going on a path and, you know, kind of figuring out how to play at this level from a physical standpoint, from a mental standpoint, being spiritually strong, and also being professional. So there's a lot of different levels to actually playing in the NBA. So when you got to the NBA, NBA you, were, you were like, oh, shit. This is all stuff I'm not, this is all stuff that, like, guys I grew up with, they would have never been able to do that. I think they could have, honestly. You know, when I think about it, when I think back on it, I think they could have, when I was 20 years old or 19 or even 25, at that point, I'm like, you know, it is different. But as my career went on, you know, my whole thing was, you know, staying really true and grounded to my neighborhood, but I kind of overdid it from the standpoint of when you're in the NBA, it's a big opportunity for you to, you know, build a brand, legacy, you know, wealth, Change. and different things like that. Yeah. But for me, it was all about staying close and grounded, you know, to my neighborhood. It, was, it wasn't about any of those other things. Really? You know, um, so from that perspective, it's definitely people in my neighborhood that probably got in trouble that could have absolutely, you know, uh, excelled in an NBA uh, atmosphere. Yeah. Is that, you always hear about that with like, say Michael Vick was a, an example of, they go, if he had just distanced himself from the kid, the guys he grew up with, yeah. he would have he would have never had these problems. Yeah, it's not good to distance yourself. I would never distance myself. Um, you know, uh, people have different perception of hanger on this, but I call, uh, I, we prefer to lift them up. So rather than look at them as a hang on, you lift them up. And we're all from the same area. So when you're from the same area and you're playing football in the dirt grass, everybody's living in that area talking about one day they're going to make it out. Yeah. Now, if you if one person makes it out, you normally pull bring everybody else with you. But then sometimes you can make it out and then you'll get around people that say, okay, now it's time to leave your people behind. Um, versus another concept, which would be let's educate the people behind. Right. Um, so that's the concept that I like. So what Michael Vick was doing was trying to bring his people up, but the only the, the missing piece is how do you educate the people behind? How do you uh, give them a platform where they could go to school. Yeah. Like what LeBron James did. You know, uh, LeBron James got a little issue with uh, Phil Jackson, uh, which is, you know, my coach, I love Phil, but LeBron was right when Phil called his guys a posse because, you know, his people was uh, educated enough to figure out a way to get into this business. Yeah. A sports business, right? So so now you got guys like Rich Paul and um, I forget the other guy's name. Um it's uh, the guy running his film division. I I I, I want to guess his name, but I but I I, I know you know who you're what I'm talking saying. About. But yeah, they, yeah. But those guys are like doing. Um, he did. It was brilliant that he did this. Yeah, it's incredible. On, my buddy. Oh, my buddy Tom Segura's FaceTime me. I was. He's a big fucking fan. <laughs> but no. But it's interesting. Um, it's interesting because what LeBron did was so smart. Because he was mm -hmm. like, he was like, no, 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 no. All these guys that are my best friends. I want you guys to put them in your industries and teach them so that when we get up here, we can all run shit. That was brilliant. And it's, so, it's, it's it's a dream. Yeah. What he's done is what everyone tried to do, including myself. And what actually, I'm still, I'm just at the tail end of my career. I'm at the end of my career. I'm done, but I'm saying I'm still like 
just a few years ago I was playing. So, but what LeBron has done was inspire not only the younger group, but the older group. Yeah. Right? To see how you do it. You know what I'm saying? So he's done, and he's still in the mix of things, which yeah. is really impressive. Um, My wife was, I grew up on a lake and mm-hmm. we had alligators on our lake. And my wife and my daughters were saying, were you scared of alligators? And I was like, you know, I, yeah, I actually was terrified of alligators, but it wasn't something that was, that I that I thought of much. I mean, I'd get in the water in the lake and you'd always have the idea that you could get attacked by an alligator, but mm-hmm. it, but I think I was, I go, I think you might think it's scarier than it is. Is this, and then I wanted to ask you, for me, I would think growing up in Queensbridge based on watching like Belly or something, I would figure I wouldn't be able to grow up there, that it would be rough for me. <laughs> that is it, but is it, how was it growing up in Queensbridge? I mean, it's just different, right? Like you, when you talk about Queensbridge or any, uh, federal housing project, and the uh, you know the constant is violence, guns, drugs in these federal housing projects across America, right? So you know, growing up, you don't you're not really you know uh, you're not exposed to it unless you choose to be exposed, or maybe you accidentally you're exposed. So then you know, anytime drugs is involved, it, it could be violent, right? Um, money, you know, people trying to eat. Not everyone's at the top. Some people are soldiers on the street, right? And they're trying to eat. They're hungry, trying to figure it out. You know, you're positioning for space. You know, um, there's only so much inventory, you know, on these blocks. And that that's what happens. That's where we're from. So you got to move easy. And you can stay out the way if you choose to. But sometimes it's hard to stay out the way, you know, um, especially when, it's, when those different levels of cash is, uh, you know, being made. So... You know, from that perspective, you, you know, you stay out the way, try to go down a good path because normally that path doesn't end well. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That path doesn't normally end well for people. So you, you just try to stay away from it, even though at that moment in time is your only option. Yeah. Your brother went to prison for, for trafficking cocaine, correct? Yeah. He was trafficking. Uh, he, did, got, he just got a flat 10-year bid. You know, didn't really argue. So it was good because... You know, they caught him red-handed and just 10 years in, in federal prison, and that was it. No parole, just straight 10 years. Nice. And and is, what's he doing now? He's doing good now. You know, I started a company for him. Uh, it's called uh, Leafy Leafy Run. And basically what he does is uh, logistics. Um, he moves uh, anything, you know, from medicine to, um, uh, you know, different other things in the medical industry. Yeah. You know, and he also... He's uh, trying to become a vendor for Amazon and UPS. You know, he's getting his life together and uh, he got his own logistics company and he's trying to get more trucks currently moving. He, you know, uh, he's, he's moving things in industries where there's reoccurring revenue, uh, but he wants to get more independent. Yeah. You know, so it's called Leafy Run. You know, it's one of my portfolio companies, which I'm proud about. You know, I got some good companies in a portfolio and, and my brother's one of them, you know, and, and I'm so happy for him because we just, I made a small investment. And he just took it to the next level. Really? You know, he's able to feed himself and doing very well. He's, he's always been smart. If you look at the history of us, I mean, my first major was architecture, you know, and, you know, that's my bigger brother. He's extremely smart. That's the thing that, that's the thing that I, I sometimes get overlooked, especially when you're a professional athlete. But, but most importantly, I think in America, when you grow up in a place like Queensbridge, or people go, oh, well, they're, they're, not, they're not intelligent. They're just mm-hmm. a basketball player. That's you're, very true. You're extremely intelligent and your children are mm-hmm. all are like all going on to have like huge 
careers in like <laughs> in like and 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 um and like you like you are you're all you've got a ton of stuff. Like, your son is like we over all of them, all of them. Yeah. Just like he's a, he just left you serious. All of them. It's true, very true. Because you know people would call you all you would often hear like dumb jocks. Yeah. Right. And what's a jock? A jock is an athlete who's who's dumb, right? But but an athlete is somebody who loves the game. So an athlete's not typically worried about math or reading. Yeah. They just choose to play the sport because it's fun. Right. So um <laughs> on the flip side, anybody that ever called somebody a dumb jock, try to get into the ringing box. Yeah. Even someone lower level, right? It's like it takes a certain amount of knowledge and experience and education to duck a punch, right? To, you know, to do these things, highly technical things. Imagine yeah. trying to take a shot if you don't know how to play basketball. Really difficult, right? But some people use their physical abilities, um, or not even physical abilities, uh, physical passions. Because you look at a guy like a Berea, he's 5'4. Look at a guy like Muggsy Bogues, 5'4. Yeah. So it's not necessarily your physical abilities. It's like, this is what you choose to do, mm-hmm. right? If you choose to, uh, some people could choose to be educated or, or go the school route. And some people have the opportunity to go that route. So, you know, from that perspective, I always thought about that. And I'm just like, I didn't, I, I'm like, when, when I thought about that over the years, I'm like, wow, this is, that's the ultimate disrespect. Because if I, if I chose to go to school or be an attorney, I'm very, I, I can yeah. If I put all my, my, my effort into it. You went, well, you went back to school. I went back. Yeah, I went back to school for, just to do what I wanted to do, which was digital marketing. Yeah. I went back to school for a reason. You know, um, but even my brother, my brother's from Queensbridge, right? So he grew up on 10th Street with the block we, I'm from. We, we was born on 12th Street, Mob D block. We moved to the next block, you know, and then he was failing. You know, he went to LIC. So maybe, you know, Nas probably went to LIC. I don't know. Right? Yeah. So he went to LIC. <laughs> I got drafted to the Bulls. He got left back. I bring him with me to Chicago. He says, for, within one year, he says, I want to be an attorney. The family was like, <laughs> he ain't going to be an no attorney. He an attorney. You know what I'm saying? Really? He's an attorney. You know, one of his, you know, representing Stout Burgers, which they have all of them around yeah, town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Kings and Queens in Santa Monica. Oh, you wow. Know, like, and it's just like, that's really, really, um, really, really incredible. So, and and that goes for anyone. Any you know anybody's capable of doing anything, you know. Um, but it's really interesting you said that. Yeah, you're you're you you are a really fascinating human being. I'm gonna I'm gonna make I want to well I want to talk about Nas because I wonder if if listening to Nas when Nas comes out, uh, n- n- spoke differently to you than it would speak to other people. <laughs> like it, what it was like what it was like hearing not that album album was like a game changer. Well, I wasn't like Nas is more of a um he's more of a a, a figure um and a and a idol and this um almost like Michael Jordan to us. Yeah. Because he's like Michael Jordan to so many people. Yeah. Now I couldn't quote his song besides Ether. I can I, I can sing Ether. Um now I can do uh I can I guess I can quote um 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 It Ain't Hard to Tell. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. But um, my style of music was more headbanger. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, kind of a mob deep style. Yeah. You know, uh, grand. You put out an album, right? I put out an album. I put out yeah. an album. I put out an album. I, I did a couple because mainly because Nice and Mob Deep, you know, because those guys inspired me so much, you know. Um, so, you know, that led me to want to do music. And, and uh, 
you know, we all we all from the same area, so it led me to want to do music. I didn't put enough effort into it. Like I should have, like I would have liked to. We had a lot of plates spinning at the time. Yeah, I was focused on mainly defense, mainly locking up, getting better <laughs> on offense. But the music is something that I'm very proud. Yeah, the music. I'm from, I'm from Queensbridge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Queensbridge, right? Let's keep it going. You know, uh, let's keep it going. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna admit something that's, it's gonna make me sound like a moron, but I'll, I'll own it. I uh, was watching Quiet Storm, and I realized that. Uh, Metal World Peace was Ron Artest. <laughs> I didn't. I well, I knew who Ron Artest was, <laughs> and I and I was and I and when when you came to the Lakers, I knew who Metal World Peace was, and I was like, yeah, I know Metal World Peace changed his name, but I didn't realize. And I just thought I was like blown away, and I was like, what a brilliant move! To it's almost like you were a brand new human being. Did you feel <laughs> like that when you changed your name? I didn't. I didn't feel brand new. Yeah, because so so many aspects of my life I really love. Yeah, <laughs> every one of them, and because it makes it, it's what makes you right. But I felt like I was able to do something I wanted to do, right? You know, um, when my parents named me Ron Artest, right? Um, people labeled me whatever they wanted to label me, right? Um, that was and, the time that that era of basketball was a lot of labeling. It was it like was, yeah, a lot of people <laughs> got labeled. And I think I, I mean I want to say it was it was like when, was that right around the time when they were like all right you guys now have to wear suits to the games <laughs> yeah and 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 every it was all about uh, we don't like the way our players are are behaving we want them to be more more corporate <laughs> I was never that <laughs> you were, you none, none of you guys were some were no a lot were really yeah, for sure once they said put that suit on guys put that suit on. I get, I see though, because you know you got a chance to accumulate this wealth and just do it, just do what they say. But I was always a guy that I was like, no way, because um, is it very important for you to be yourself, right? That's and you know for me it was about you know just staying edgy, staying really close to the hood as possible. Yeah. Um, uh, it's a it's a gift and a curse. It's positives and negatives to it. Um, I wouldn't say I wouldn't do it again. But I would say I would go about it differently. Really? Yeah, I would probably go about it differently. I mean, simple things like I don't want to wear a suit. So I don't have to wear necessarily a hoodie or baggy jeans because I used to like my pants sagging, you know, below my ass. Yeah. But I could just wear this, right? It don't have to, I don't have to overdo it. Yeah, but, right? some, but sometimes, and, and you have this, I know you have this, and I have this. I have this hardcore. If, <laughs> I, I'm not... I get very uncomfortable when someone tells me what to do. If, and I know you do because I've, I've seen you in so many interviews. And you talked about um, about you saying, you, it was something I think it might have been in the, in the new Untold. But you're like, uh, you don't tell me when to just show up. No, I'm a grown man. Oh, yeah. and, and, but, I, but I have a hard time. So I, I can't do certain projects because I know how I'll behave if I'm put, like, I can't go be an actor I, I mean, I can be an actor, but I need to be a producer on the movie, and I need to have I, because I'm a, I'm a weird control guy. I understand, and I understand. and it's so funny. I've, I'm going through uh, like lately. I've been going through some anxiety and OCD issues that that my wife put me into therapy for, and I talked about I've talked to him openly about that on the podcast. Mm -hmm. But you talked about you talked about when you were uh, playing for I think it was for the Pacers, and you were saying that you would have this over this dread, this anxiety dread. And I, 
I fucking have never heard something more accurate where you're like, yeah, everything's, everyone must look at that and go, you've got millions of dollars. You're playing in the NBA. What do you have to be nervous? What, and, but it's, there's this overlying, just dark cloud of going like, I can't, I just can't see past here. Right. It's like, yeah, it's true. It happens a lot to many different people, but yeah, but I know, but so me and you are people that like, I'm distinct. I, I don't, perform with a shirt on and I, I like to be barefoot <laughs> and i like flip-flops and i don't want someone to tell me how to dress to go into a restaurant because i have money and you're not going to tell me how to like i get and i and i i just if sometimes if you do that then i'll go push it too far so if you say bert put on a suit i will absolutely not wear a suit yeah. and i will wear i'll show up even more aggressive than i would have shown up <laughs> so i think i understand what you're saying when yeah, they you know a suit is for people who need a suit i don't want to fucking wear a suit <laughs> A suit for people who need a suit. I, you know, at that point in time, like I'm not trying to, I'm not a CEO at, at that point in time. Like I'm not a CEO. I love suits, by the way, but I don't like the, I, I don't like the, when you have to wear a suit. Yeah, exactly what you said. Like, like you wear your suit. <laughs> yeah, you're comfortable right? in a suit. Wear a fucking suit. You look great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna wear what I want to wear. I, I, yeah, I don't feel like wearing a suit today. Oh, yeah. I remember. But what? I like suits. I don't. I, I really like suits. See, I, I don't wear them. I just like them. I really genuinely <laughs> don't like suits. Like, I really genuinely, I don't like a lot. I don't, I, I'll tell you my big thing is, and I, I'm being honest, I, but uh, I don't like masks. I'm, oh, it's <sighs> making me fucking crazy. And I wear them. If I'm on an airplane, I wear them the whole I time. I don't like masks and I wear them. Yeah. It, it, it's, them. it's a weird. I, I understand a lot of people passed away from, from the COVID-19, but this is my thing about it. You know, they say it came from a bat. Like, I don't know anything anymore. You know what I'm saying? <clears throat> yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't even, I don't know anything in it. I'm so lost on this, but did you hear that it came from a bat? Yeah. Okay. You kind of, do you agree with that? I, I don't know. I don't know. I just got, I was on Joe Rogan's <laughs> podcast yesterday and it just got pulled down because we might have implied it came from somewhere else, but keep going. All right. So <laughs> I'm going to say it came from a bat. Yeah. All right. That's okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it yeah. came from a bat. Okay. And they opened up the bat. And they cut it, put the blood somewhere, spent it, and they went out. Yeah. By, oh, I'm sorry. We made a big mistake. Yeah. <laughs> right? So now, okay, you made this mistake. Who made the mistake first? Who's the, who's the person? It had to be someone, right? Like it's, it, had to, it wasn't a machine. I don't no. Think, right? So who's the person that made this, that made this terrible mistake? And um, What's the name? Yeah, let's hold them accountable. Can you apologize? Yes, can you come up? Where's the apology? Because the one doctor that was trying to tell us that uh, the, about COVID, he died. He was the one that was like, guys, it's going to get really bad. He was in China. He's like, everyone is going to get super bad. Then he died. We know his name. Tell us the guy that told him about it. Yeah, like, yeah, like, come forward. Like, if I, if I came in here and I don't know, I don't know, somewhere, not here. If I went somewhere, spilled some water, somebody slipped and broke the ankle. Yeah. I'm like, oh, wow. Hey, I'm so sorry. I spilled that water. I'm so sorry about that. Like, where's the apology? We got the millions of people died. Yeah. Right? So can we get one apology yeah. from someone? And then, you know, but my thing is, like, we didn't start this thing, so I understand that some people don't want to wear a mask. And I understand people that do because people really die. I had my auntie died yeah. from COVID. Really? Yeah. You know, my auntie died from COVID. Right? So I understand it. I, I, got, va I got vaccinated. Me too. I didn't want to get vaccinated. <laughs> But I did me it. Me either, me either. I'm yeah. not going to lie. 
I don't, I'm like, why do I have to get vaccinated? I was. I, did you get when you got the shot? Did you panic sitting there for 15 minutes waiting to see what would happen? No, I was happy I got the shot. I'm just like, get this, get oh, it over with. I was uh, just like, well, no, no, I was, I was, I was like, I don't know if I'm having a pinky grow. Yeah, they start, they start going the like, just how are you feeling? And you're like, I don't know, man. If you ask me how I'm feeling, I start feeling weird. And then this dude next to me, and uh, me and him are both in flip flops. He goes like this, hops up, crashes, and I'm like. I heard about that. I was nervous. I was nervous. Yeah. I was nervous because like, especially in a lot of, well, a lot of people skeptical. It's not only black people that are skeptical, by the way, right? It's a lot of people that are skeptical of the vaccine. Yeah. But um, years ago when they did the other experiment on black people, Tuskegee. that's why, Tuskegee. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. why black people was like, yo, I don't want that vaccine. Yeah. You know, I don't know what this is. This happened. It happened within that's real. months. This isn't happened. That, isn't that crazy? That's COVID, real. boom, vaccine, get it. Yeah. Isn't that crazy to you that like, I, I, I'm I'm well aware that I've never experienced racism and that you have, but the idea that they really gave syphilis or whatever it was <laughs> to a bunch of black dudes who could fly airplanes or whatever in the army, that they gave it to them is beyond my comprehension. I'm not that well versed in that topic. I heard about it. Yeah. I've never done research on it. Yeah. I should say I just, that before I, just, I talk a lot. I just heard way. about it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I just heard about Honestly, I've never ever read more than three sentences on the Tuskegee. Airman. But but I heard about it enough to know like this happened. Yeah. But I'm just saying like from that perspective, from anybody's perspective, like some people just don't want it, but now we're forced to get the vaccine because somebody else's mistake. Yeah. You know, so from, I think it's important that that be heard. You know, I'm not saying like, we want to protect our elderly. You know, we want to protect our elderly and people that's like at risk, you know, from eating bad you know, American food. That's me. Puts you at risk. That's me, by the way. That's, I'm definitely in the <laughs> high-risk group. Put them bad eating cheeseburgers and grease, which we love fried chicken. But if you <laughs> ate a lot of fried chicken, you're at risk. I, is that okay to say? I don't know. Anymore. Yeah, it is okay. It's you okay can say whatever the fuck you want. You, yeah, you Let me tell you something. That's the beauty of being in the position. That's the cool thing about you starting your podcast is that you can do, I mean, I, I think you're such an, a likable dude. That even like the dramas you've gone through, I, there's still this fucking likability about you. Like I, I don't know what it is. You know, might be the transparency. You, it might <laughs> be the honesty. Like, hey, I, I, I messed up. <laughs> it is what. You yeah, know what I'm saying. I think that's probably what it is. I mean, yeah, I think you know, uh, I think that's probably what it is because you know, just making mistakes and trying to get through it, you know, and trying to put out good energy as much as possible. Is it yeah. hard to be like you're a sensitive dude? Is it hard to be a sensitive dude and be a big dude? No, <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, you are who you are, man. Yeah, you are. You are. Just, I, I wouldn't. Yeah, I am kind of sensitive, but I would say more than sensitive. I'm probably open. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like more, more open and transparent. Um, vulnerable, maybe vulnerable in terms of not being afraid to let people know what's on your mind. Yeah. Or to not vulnerable from. A point not letting not being afraid to let people know you went through things yeah you know what i'm saying yeah so open and transparent and but you know and and that that could be vulnerable that can be sensitive and people can see your other side which is i'm okay with people seeing my other side i don't care this podcast is brought to you by tushy let me tell you something if you want to give your friends and family something memorable for a gift this holiday season a memorable, meaningful gift can be hard to think of. I want to give someone something yet unique, yet cool, yet eco-friendly, techie, but affordable. Get someone a tushy. Buying for a lot of family members 
Hello Tushy Bidets are a great way to gift your eco-conscious cousin, your neat freak sister, your farty dad, and anyone who poops in your family, which is everyone. We all deserve a better, cleaner butthole and a healthier planet. That's what I love about Tushy. Uh, Hello Tushy washes your bum with fresh water. It's a great way to be better clean. It's better clean than toilet paper. Simply spray, pat dry, attaches to your existing toilet. No electrician or plumber needed. Installs in less than eight minutes. And it cuts down your toilet paper use by 80%, saving you money and paper waste. Best way to use the restroom is with is with a, a, is tushy. With a tushy. I'm telling you right now, they have the Tushy system, including the Tushy bidet attachment, the ottoman, the toilet brush, and Tushy stands and tissues. Join the millions of happy Hello Tushy customers right now who take care of their Yule logs the dignified way. Give the gift of a clean bum to yourself or loved ones this holiday season and get 10% off plus free shipping right now at hellotushy.com slash BurtCast. Tag us and HelloTushy on all social medias so we can celebrate your clean bum. That's hellotushy.com slash BurtCast for 10% off and free shipping. I know, I know. It feels like the year just started, but can you believe it? The holidays are right around the corner. Make this the holiday you give yourself the gift you've always wanted. A better smile. Oh, I know. It's candid. Yeah. Oh, this is awesome. While poorly reviewed and insanely priced clean, clear aligner companies use general dentists, Candid only works with orthodontists who are expert in tooth movement. With Candid, the same orthodontist who created your plan can track your progress so you never have to wonder how you're doing. You can book appointments at a Candid studio near you or do everything from the comfort and convenience of your own home. The average Candid treatment is just six months, which is amazing because you went through something similar with a different product and it was like a year and, I don't know, I'm not going to. Yeah, it was a year it was not the best. Yeah. I'll tell you right now. Uh, you're going to start seeing results before then, and it costs thousands less than traditional braces. And with your aligners, you'll get Candid's teeth whitening for free. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I'm telling you, this is not a great smile is a great gift to give to yourself. It really is. A, a straight and a white smile. A yeah. really nice, bright smile. Treat yourself to the gift you've always wanted, a straighter, brighter smile. Right now, you can save $75 on your Candid starter kit when you get started from home. Or you can book an appointment at Candid Studio near you. Go to CandidCO.com slash Burt and use the code Burt. That's CandidCO.com slash Burt and the code is Burt. Take advantage of this limited time offer to save $75 on your starter kit. That's CandidCO.com slash Burt and use the code Burt. Well, you talk, You were talking about, um, you know, in, in Quiet Storm, you talked about, you know, uh, going to therapy, having a therapist. And it was like, and that was before that was people were talking about that yeah for sure way what, before what's that like in the nba is and i'm sure I, mean, I grew up playing sports but like not at that level but was there like a tough guy thing like what the fuck are you talking about therapy for i don't think it's a tough guy thing yeah because the nba players every year there's a different group of people that's thinking a certain way because everybody's evolving yeah. right um so from that perspective everybody's very receptive the nba players are very receptive of anything really it's in the locker room you're very rarely going to get someone that's not going to support you if you're going through something. And my joke on you about it, too. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Joke on your faults or your flaws, right? Because it's like, that's what we do. We make fun of everything, right? So, you know, from that perspective, a lot of support, you know, from the players. But when when I came out and I say, I need help, or when I was going to therapy, 
players are not used to people openly saying, I'm going to see therapists. Now they, now we are. Yeah. But when I was doing it way back in 2007, I've been telling my teammates I've been seeing therapists since 2005. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Even before that in Chicago, I was seeing therapists. When did you start that? When did you first start therapy? I started therapy when I was 13 years old, but professionally, when I was, when I was uh, 19, once I got drafted, my first year with the Bulls, you know, I'm a passionate guy. Yeah. You know, and not only am I passionate, it's, it, it, but it's certain, it's certain things that people should know. Not only am I passionate, but I also was drinking a lot of alcohol at that time. Yeah. Right? With mar- a lot of marijuana in 99. This is before they made marijuana cool. <laughs> I was getting it in, right? Yeah. Um, when you mix all that, and then when you're, and you're rich. Um, passionate, and you got a little bit of money, so you can buy what you want now. And on top of all that, you might be going through like depression or something. That's not a good mix to yeah. bring into a game, right? That's oh, yeah. a terrible mix to bring into a practice. You bring competitiveness with alcohol, depression, marijuana, with passion. This, that's a ticking time bomb. So from that perspective, I would advise people, if you're going through something, right, don't uh, try not to make it better with alcohol. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll it just send you down like a whole, you'll be spiraling down. Like, I'm going I'm to drink away the pain, and for some reason, <laughs> I'm feeling more pain. Right? It's, it's anxiety. I drink away the anxiety, and then I... And then it just fucking rears up on me. It multiplies. It <laughs> multiplies. And I, I, I just, I'm, I'm, it's funny you say that because that's how insightful to be 19 years old and go, I'm, this is a fucking time bomb, but I'm going to get in front of this and go to a therapist and talk yeah. this. I was, I could, you know, comp- be um, competitive. You know, it really saved me was basketball because it kept getting in the way of my game. Here, here I am. Trajectory is going this way. Yeah. Right, and then I'm spiraling the other way emotionally, right? I'm going two, totally two opposite directions. Game is going this way, but decision-making is going the opposite direction. So for me, it's like, okay, in order to really accomplish what I want to accomplish at the NBA level, I need to be professional, right? I need to be a good teammate, so I, I had to fix it. So how do you fix it? You got to figure out what the hell's going on. Like, and, and the team's like, you need therapy. And I'm like, I don't need therapy. I need to play in this goddamn game yeah. and get this win, right? <laughs> and the team is like, no, you're crazy looking from the outside in. But yeah. I'm looking from the inside out. I'm like, I'm not crazy. Middle fingers to you, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? So then, but then when you get older, you make a mistake after mistake. Then you look in the mirror and you look in that mirror, you're like, yo, you 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 crazy. You need some help. Yeah. Right? When you look at that mirror and you look at it, then you're like, okay, let's, let's go get some help, right? Now be competitive and do whatever it takes. So go see your therapist, do all that, right? So, and then, and that, that's also sports therapy because if you're on the court and you have huge anxiety or you're depressed, how are you going to perform? You want to perform at the highest level. You want to be an all-star. You want to be MVP. You want to win championships. You got to make free throws at the end of the game. You got to be stable, right? So I discovered all that with help and myself and then I started to, and I told myself, I'm going to let it happen naturally, right? I'm going to see therapists. I'm not trying to change overnight emotionally. I don't care what I'm going through from, a, from, from anxiety to, to depression. I know I'm going to have anxiety and depression tomorrow. Yeah. I'm in no rush to get rid of it. It's going to be gone one day, right? As yeah. long as I keep going. And I, just, and I just stay with it. And then you fast forward to right before I won the championship in 2009, because my life is surrounded by basketball. Yeah. Right before I got there, I had a big playoff series against the Lakers. I mean, every shot was going in, and I'm just and I was at a, I was at a, such peace, 
in the game. I've never felt this type of peace in the game. Meanwhile, I was suspended, so nobody got a chance to see me in the playoffs. I was suspended. I was traded. I got, I got suspended two years in a row, the brawl, and the next year I was suspended. You got suspended the next year? Yeah, I got suspended the first four months. I, had, I got traded oh, to Sacramento. that's right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. shit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, so that whole, that's, a, that's, that's legacies built in the playoffs. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So legacies built in the playoffs, and I go to Sacramento. Now I'm out of shape, right? I told you. 275? 273. Yeah. So I'm out of shape. I tell Coach Adam, I'm like, yo, I can't play. He said, no, you got to play. We're going to go as far as you take, as you take us, boom. I, I start to play. I get my confidence back. We go to the playoffs. So now we play against the Spurs in the playoffs. I play well. The typical Ryan test yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> against Tim Duncan and those guys, right? <laughs> yeah. So I play well. And then the next year, so they get rid of Bonzi Wells. They get rid of the coach, Coach Adelman. So now we're rebuilding. So I'm there for four years of rebuilding, even though I was playing well, but legacy's built in the playoffs. Yeah. Right? So then I get so then when I get to uh, to Houston, we in the playoffs where I, that's where I feel comfortable at. I'm a hell of a player. So I play very well. And then I get to the Lakers, we won the championship. Yeah. But that took a lot of therapy. Yeah. You know and so so when so when all those all those things collided and you and you finally got you said you weren't weren't in a rush to to you knew you were gonna get there. Yeah, I knew I was gonna And then and then all of a sudden your game just became It was incredible. It was incredible. You know, um it was a hell of a balance. It was hard. But it just it's just amazing being able to be in the game and just taking shots, playing in the game without worrying about anything. Anything. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I don't because I'm I'm consistently worrying about everything. But it's funny when I get on stage, I it all goes away, and I'm so clear headed. I, I my stomach, I, I my whole life, my on Sundays. So, so when I used to do clubs, on, yeah. you'd work Thursday to Sunday, mm. and on Sunday night, I'd be I'd pack all Sunday afternoon, and my stomach would be in knots, knowing that I had to fly at like six in the morning. Mm -hmm. My stomach would be in knots. I would feel sick to my stomach before I got on stage. The second I got on stage, it just disappeared. I had no anxiety for the next hour. I was perfect. And the second I said goodnight, the anxiety kicked in. And I'd be get off stage and I'd be like, ah. Oh. And I'd just start drinking. Drink into the night, drink in the morning at the airport, fly home. <laughs> it's just, it's, you know, I I've I've come to learn that I, that the drinking does not help with my anxiety at no, all. For sure not. It's the worst possible thing. Like I like to drink. Yeah. Um now I like to drink more red wine. I used to like to drink, you know, tequila or whatever, but I like to drink red wine for other reasons, but just alcohol in general. Yeah. Um, I, I'll drink occasionally, but I don't like to drink if I'm not having a good day. Really? Yeah, I, I, just, I just won't touch the alcohol. Like, I like to drink when I'm happy. I like to drink when I'm feeling good. Like, what are we doing today? Yeah. I don't like to drink like, oh, it's a tough day. I need to drink. I'd rather not even touch it. I won't even smoke. Really? No, nope, I won't smoke unless I'm feeling totally good. Really? And I'll smoke all day. <laughs> no, no. How I'm did feeling you, good. How did you? How did you handle marijuana with your children? Did you talk to? Because uh, marijuana is great. I don't care. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> fucking you and you know Snoop. I like, fucking, you know, fucking. Care. My, my kid's been smoking for. My daughter smoking. She's fifteen years old. Like, I don't care. Just like do well. Like I don't care. Just, like, just do well. You know, yeah. be a nice person. Do well, and smoke all you want. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, God, that's. I wish I have my, my have control issues with my kids. Like they just caught me smoking weed the other night, and uh, how old are they? <laughs> Seventeen and fifteen, and they and they're like they lost their shit because I I'm such a I I they had asked me one time we were at a big wine tasting and they were in the thing with our whole family my parents were there my sisters my wife my wife's drunk buzzed 
and they never see her like that and they're like mom's wasted and she's like oh i'm fucking cool and they're like mom you ever smoke weed she goes yeah and they're like you have she was like i did i didn't like it i threw up and then like they're like dad and i lied to them i said no i've never smoked weed and if you guys wait till you're 21 i'll, I'll do it for the first time with you and i was alive i've smoked weed my whole fucking life and and done cocaine i mean i've done everything i've done fucking i got mollied in my backyard in front of them with by my friend i've never done anything i've done mushrooms weed alcohol and oh and i actually did um one time i did xanax i'll never do xanax again oh my god it's the greatest drug in the world i I never did i I retired i was retired so i was just like having i was like enjoying my retirement honestly um and i just wanted to have a good time like i was reflecting on my career i said you know what i'm gonna have a good time tonight yeah. So we just did uh, mushrooms, little weed. He did Xanax, and that was like first and last time I ever did it, and I would never ever do that in my life. Really? Yeah. Xanax? Yeah. Somebody said you should try it. I said, "What is it?" It says, "Is it a Molly?" I don't want a Molly. No. I said, "No, it's Xanax." I said, "What does it make you do?" I said, "You just go into a different world." I said, "All right, cool. Give me the Xanax." And then I did the Xanax, and um, I never will ever do Xanax again. Oh, it's my favorite. It's my. It's like my <laughs> go-to drug. That's a, no it's way. so funny. I you have I, no control over yourself. Uh, you're so relaxed. You don't. Not right, you you're relaxed, but I'm yeah. like, I don't. I don't want. I don't want that. Yeah. If you take too much, <laughs> if you take like a lot, I take very little, like like very small amounts. But uh, and it really just it's like fucking oh for me. But I but it's funny. I won't do it. I'm I'm really uh, strict about drugs, and like I I don't I won't i don't i smoked weed yesterday but uh <laughs> but and and i got blackout drunk yeah yesterday i i got wasted yesterday <laughs> i love red wine man i love red wine i, I can love. drink red wine like every day when, so when are you gonna come out with your own red wine probably not because um it's gonna take a whole nother strategy of design and business yeah. and as no more businesses <laughs> you, do, are you is are you done do you feel like you're busier now that you're retired yeah, because I'm running my own business, like sports, basketball, and it takes a lot, you know? So yeah. I'm not going to say, it just comes in waves. Some days I'm extremely busy, and then the, you know, the, the staff is growing. Some days I'm not busy, yeah. you know? But every day you're, like, thinking about how you can help your staff and how you can add value to the business. So, yeah, pretty much every day, but it's basketball, so it's fun. It don't feel like, you know, it don't feel like business. Yeah, was it, was it, I mean, I, I, fantasize about what it must feel like to be 19 a millionaire famous i I mean it was is it as good as everyone that's listening thinks like walking into a club every woman wanting to be next to you (laughs) really of course not oh i would think women get a listen some women i I, when i look when i think about it yeah you go into a club Someone want to have a good time, right? Because they just want to have a good time and they're human. We're human. And then some women, someone want to have a good time, maybe have sex. Someone want to have a good time and just be out in a club in the area where everybody's at and just party with their girls and just yeah. like do their thing, right? So I'm not going to say like every woman is like throwing themselves at, you know? Yeah. Maybe a few were, <laughs> but definitely not everyone. It must have been fun though. It was, it, it, well, whew, it was fun. Yeah. I, when, I, when I look back at 19, and being able to, you know, go to a club and buy some alcohol, buy a bottle of champagne. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, wow, this is crazy. At 19 years old, well, then for a long time. Do you, do you was, have all the jewelry that you've ever bought in your life? I've never, I, I was never a jewelry guy. Really? No, I, I was never a car guy. The most expensive, 
I rented a Lamborghini before the playoffs. I was the Rockets against the Lakers. I said, I never had a good car. It's 2009. So I said, I'm just going to rent a Lamborghini for the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. So I did that. Um, but like, you know, I spent $100,000 on four cars. When I signed my first contract, I had a $20,000 Benz, a, a, a green Tony a Tahoe that was like $25,000, um, something else that was, they were all dirty and, yeah. and stuff. Um, and I just like... I've never had an expensive car. I've never had a Bentley, never had a Rolls. Really? Never had. I had I had like a watch, but it was just weird wearing it. So, you know, just like, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> That's so crazy. Yeah, no earrings. Yeah. I had a chain. You know, that was probably it. Yeah. But my friends was having, they would spend half a million dollars on jewelry. Oh, yeah. Maybe a million. <laughs> and I was, what, like, you know, $40,000 like total. My friends are all car guys. I'm not a car guy. I have a like I lease a nice car, mm-hmm. but that's because I like. I mean, I, I mean, I never drive it. I was just, I just, we were talking about it last night. I've had the same tank of gas in it for the last six months. That's how little <laughs> I drive that car. And by the way, that tank of gas will be in that car for the next six months because I'm going on tour. Oh, wow. so I never drive it. I never. <laughs> what kind drive of car it. is it? So Mercedes, okay. It's the one, it was one, the one out there, the whatever. Okay. Yeah, it's it's nice, but it. Everyone when I got it, everyone made fun of me. They're like, "Oh, you got your dad's car," and I was like, <laughs> "Oh yeah, I guess my dad did have one of these." And I was like, <laughs> I just looked at like guys that had that car. Yeah. And I was like that they. I remember thinking they must be relaxed when they get in their car, and so I when I get in there, I play like I play like Steely Dan. <laughs> you ever listen to Steely Dan? I don't know who that is. <laughs> so good. I don't know. Oh, it's is. so good. I wonder if you've, it's, it's interesting. I wonder if there's like music that I guess culturally would just never show up in your house. Like Steely Dan. I don't know who that is. What record is it? Tell me. Uh, I mean, I'm, if I heard the record, maybe. Maybe. I wonder. I used to do a thing is on it stage. Rock? Is I, used it pop? Do a, I used to do a thing on stage where I'd say, I'd say um, any, any black person in this room, if you can get, if you can say the name of this this band who sings this song uh-huh. i will buy your all your drinks tonight <laughs> and, I, and i would play i would play uh That's funny. this is the song i would play i would say this <laughs> i would say this all the fucking time and i'd go i go i'll buy your entire drink do you know this song i'm gonna try to guess it because i would like a drink let me see <laughs> That's uh, that, that is sounds like, great. That's cool. uh, so, Night Ranger. That's the name of the song. That's the name of the Sister Christian's the name of the song. And who's Stilly Dan? That's Stilly Dan. no, that's not Stilly Dan. Stilly oh. Dan is. <laughs> that's Stilly. I'm trying to think of the song that's Stilly a, Dan. Where, where is that artist from? What part of the country? Uh, who knows? Where do you think? Where do you think? Nashville? Uh, no, 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 no. They're probably here. This is uh, New York. Really? I'm trying to think of Upstate? the song. Okay, oh. this is the song you might you might recognize from. Hold on. This is Steely Dan. That's crazy. This is who you might, you might recognize this song. Hold on. I feel like that was in the movie. That voice sounds so familiar. Uh, he's he he was he was big in the seventies. Uh, Steely voice, Dan was big in the seventies. There's two guys, but I just uh, listen to the album because that voice sounds way too familiar. Well, oh, you know that what other it is? big hits. So wait, oh, you know, oh, hold on, hold on. So what you would recognize is Steely Dan. Oh, I just realized this. Was he Scarface? No, no, you know what it is? What did you say? Scarface. No, no, no. I don't think so. Steely Dan was the 
the loop for a very famous hip hop song. Ooh. Type in type in what Steely Dan hip hop uh that sounds so sample. Steely Dan hip hop sample. Black cow, black cow. Uh here, I'll find it. Ready? So so tell me if you recognize the hip hop loop for this. Of course. That's Steely yeah, Dan. That's Steely Dan. <laughs> oh, let me Dude, I was really good artist. So I lost my wallet in my buddy's house yeah, in really Austin good. this morning. And I had this playing in I had, pl- I had this play in in my headset. So I was, I was looking for my wallet. And this is pretty cool. This is pretty cool. If this is and I was looking for my wallet, I had to catch a flight. Uh, and I heard, and this is when I found my wallet. This is the lyric that came up. Like a gangster. That is my fuck. As I found my wallet, I heard this in my hair, in my hair, right here. I opened my buddy's car. I'm like, son of a bitch. It's not. And I go, wait, maybe it's probably the seatbelt. I move the seatbelt here. <laughs> Looking so outrageous. And they'll tell you so. What That's a the, great artist. It's, he's really great. You is know, he a big artist? Oh, yeah, yeah. Steely Dan was huge. Yeah. Um, but he's what's interesting about Steely Dan is uh is like that that kind of music I play him. I I literally play that in my car and I feel like an old man and I like it. Like it calms well, me I play down. I love old music too. I love old music. Old music oh my, my mom God. used to play. Did your family did your parents used to play that? <laughs> no, my parents weren't into music oh. like that. Well, they were, but it was like it was like Neil Diamond, like uh like that kind of shit. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't until my dad was into Sam Cooke. It was like, oh. and so I got. I, I was never into Sam Cooke. Really? I, and I listened to a lot of like old school black artists. Sam Cooke was. I mean, I know his famous song. Yeah. But he wasn't an artist that I got into. Sam. So Sam Cooke, my dad was listening. To, was listening to Sam Cooke and and Bruce Willis was in a TV show called Moonlighting mm-hmm. at the time. And Bruce Willis in the thing said, "I just like to get have a little drink and listen to some Sam Cooke." <laughs> and I went, "Oh, I'm into Sam Cooke." I was in like fifth grade, and I started listening to Sam Cooke in fifth grade. I got a, I got a wide variety of artists. Like I like, um, <clears throat> well, if I take it back, like so, Alberta Hunter is the furthest I go back. She's like an old school artist. Hey, write these down so I can pick them up. Keep She's going. so dope, Alberta Hunter, old school artist. She came on the scene like in 1880 when she first started. So there's no recordings of it. And she her first recording was 1920, um, and the song is about like how guys would treat her bad, and um, you can tell it was like the era of like coming out of slavery. You could tell like she saw some shit, yeah. And um, it was, but it was always like Mary J. Blige, like it was always about a guy, yeah, right, kind of. But it was a different vibe. I, and then then you go to like I skip I skipped a couple years, but I was going through some I was going through a swing era for a little bit, yeah. But I skipped swing. Swing was not my thing. That yeah. era was not my thing. And then I, you know, then you go to obviously like um, Harold Melvin, the Blue Nose. Oh, uh, yeah. you know, I just, <laughs> I Manhattan's just, OJ's. I was with Snoop a year ago. We were, we were doing a TV show, and I he has in one of his albums he says like Harold Melvin, the Blue Nose. Mm. And I I said, wait, I didn't know that was a band. And he was like, oh yeah. And then he got me turned on to that. Mm-hmm. And it's it's interesting to share music with people. Is to share a part of yourself. Mm-hmm. When you go, I hope you like this. This is a vulnerable side of myself. Yeah. You must have seen some cool concerts. Do you ever go to any good concerts? Uh, I saw Mary J. Blige twice in Paris with my mom and my daughter. Oh, whoa. And my sister, which is incredible. Hold on, you took your mom, your daughter, and your sister to Paris? My mom, my daughter, sister. We went to Paris, yeah. And we, we, so we saw Mary J. Blige. That was just so crazy. It was just, I was over the top. I'm a huge Mary J. Blige fan. And then we saw her again here 
in uh in LA. Um now I'm trying to see SWV. I need to see SWV live. I think I saw Boys and Men live, so I think I'm okay there. I think Boys I saw to Men. Jersey Boys to Men. I so Boys to Men and I were at, for a period of time. We're we're sharing the same stage. Oh my! They goodness. do the early show. I do the late show. I think that's how it went. And uh, and my cousins from Philly, and so and and by by the way, I don't think enough people know how just how in, influential Boys to Men is on what what the '90s music was or the yeah. 2000s music. Like for sure, without Boys to Men, you don't have In Sync, you don't have Backstreet Boys, you don't have 98 Degrees. I mean, Boys to Men was like there was. I mean, it's always been guy groups. Right? Yeah, but, but they, they were the, amazing. Yeah. They brought it back. They was they were amazing. They were different, all vocal. Yeah, you know, they wasn't really dancing, just just passion. I love Boys to Men. They're just incredible. I mean, I never met them. Yeah. I know nothing about them with the exception of their music. But you know, their music is incredible. If you own a business, you know there aren't enough hours in the day to waste time playing phone tag. The list of customers you need to reach doesn't get any shorter, especially when business is good. That's why local businesses everywhere turn to Podium. Podium makes every interaction as easy as sending a text. So everything that makes your business great can get done faster. Podium isn't just a better way to communicate. It's a better way to do everything, gathering reviews, collecting payments, even in marketing to your customers. Podium makes it all as easy as press and send. That's it. Pressing send and you're done. You won't just free up more time. You'll grow your business and get more done. With Podium, you'll close deals with customers before the competition even has a chance to call them back. Join more than 100,000 businesses that are already using Podium to streamline their customers' interactions. Get started for free at podium.com slash Bert or sign up for a paid Podium account and get free credit card reader. Restrictions apply. That's podium.com slash Bert. Leanne has the best bed in the house. Yeah, I do. We have a sleep room yeah. for Leanne when I snore. Yeah. And it's the best room in the house because it's it, the best mattress for sure. It's because it's a Helix mattress. Mm. Helix mattresses are fucking phenomenal mm -hmm. she wakes up out of that bedroom feeling so rested so refreshed that when i came home off my flight i went into that room to sleep and man I, my back felt amazing yes yeah, great bed helix has a quiz that takes just two minutes to complete and matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you why would you buy a mattress made for someone else with helix you're getting a mattress that you know will be the perfect way for you to sleep everybody's unique in helix knows that and they have several different mattresses models to choose from they have soft, medium, firm mattresses. Mattresses are good for cooling for fat people who sleep pretty hard and sweat. Uh, and they have great for spinal alignment. They have ones that's great for spinal alignment to prevent morning aches and pains. And they even have a Helix Plus mattress for plus-size sleepers. Shut up. That's what Tom told me. Anyway, I, I love our Helix mattress. It was got to our house super easy to set up. I mean, we set it up in maybe like two minutes. Maybe. Maybe five. Super really, and really fast. And you don't have to take my word for it. Helix has been awarded the number one best overall mattress pick for of 2020 by GQ and Wired Magazine. Helix has been recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. All you got to do is go to helixsleep.com slash Bert, take their two-minute sleep quiz, and they're going to match you to a customized mattress that'll give you the best sleep of your life. They also have a 10-year warranty. So... That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. And they're going to pick it up if you don't like it. But you're going to love it. Trust me. 
Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash Burt. What's one artist you'd love to see perform live? I mean, I would love to see SWV, like SWV. What's SWV? They they uh got some really big records. And I and I actually bought tickets to go see them about three years ago. I bought it a year in advance. So I had my tickets for September. I got it oh. on StubHub or whatever. And then September passes. It's it goes, it, I'm in November, and I'm like, oh shit, I forgot <laughs> to go to the show. Oh, that's God. the worst. When you buy the tickets and then you go, oh, fuck, I missed that concert. Forgot to go is this to us, the WB? show. Um, this is older videos. So, yeah, okay. Oh, yeah, this is a big song. This is a song about love, right? And by the way, I oh, never... I know this song. You yeah, I know this song. song. Yeah. This is a great song. I've never ever seen this video, by the way. Really? Nah, because I didn't really have TV. I, got, I had the cassette tape, so I, I wasn't watching TV when I was younger. Really? Like sometimes, but everybody's trying to watch TV. So I'm like, I just go outside, play some ball. I ain't talking about goddamn TV. Yeah. <laughs> but I got, I had the, the CD or the cassette listening to it. But I've never, ever seen this video in my life. What kind of music? And this is you... my favorite group, by the way. Really? Yeah, for sure. So what kind of music do you guys play in the locker room before a game? It just depends. Like, it varies. Like, does some, is someone take over, like, the music and go, and that one person does the music? Or is it kind of like? It varies. Like, some people would play. You know, in the headphones. Yeah. Some people go through the R and B stage. Some people get the hip hop. It just, I went through stages of what I was listening to. Really. Like Mob Deep for one point. I got, I couldn't. I was listening to Mob Deep and Eminem before every game. But and I, Eminem. I, Eminem. But I was getting way too turned up before the game, so I stopped listening to those two. <laughs> yeah, I'm not listening to Eminem, Mob Deep ever again. Yeah. Before a game, so I stopped them, and then I went to like R and B, a lot of R and B before games for me personally. Yeah. There's a comedian, Patrice O'Neill. We were just talking about this. You ever heard of Patrice? Um, no, I never heard of him. Oh, you'd love him. He was the greatest comic. He passed away. Oh, he man. was the greatest oh, fucking comic. He was the greatest well, comic. Well, yeah. He, wait, what was his era? Uh, he was. He's. He's probably a little bit older than me. He's. Uh, but he passed away. God, probably like nine nine years ago now. He was. He is. He was. Uh, pull up a picture of Patrice. Maybe you might have seen him do some roasts he was genius i mean he this is patrice he's from boston and uh oh, he's like 10 years older than me yeah is he 10 years older? well i'm 79 yeah I'm yeah born 79 yeah he passed away he had a stroke but uh oh, wow. Sorry, that's crazy. he was he passed away 10 years ago yeah i guess was it 10 years yes yeah, 10 years ago this looks familiar was he an actor also no yeah he was an actor too he's in the oh. office he was in okay yeah he, he looks so familiar he was in a couple he's in did a few movies but his stand-up if you get a chance, if you enjoy stand-up, he has a, a stand-up called, uh, uh, what is it, Elephant in the Room? It's Elephant in the Room, and it is the greatest comedy album you'll ever listen to. He, really? Oh, God. Is it I, on, uh, is it a like it DVD YouTube. or is you it oh, so stand-up? Just on YouTube, yeah. Have you ever, have you ever seen um, my favorite uh, comedy, anything on DVD is... Um, I can't get the name because it's old school, but you're gonna remember. Robert Harris. No, it's 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 like um, they had the skits. First, they came out with skits. Monty Python. No. Oh, what's the best group ever to come out with skits? Hold on one second. Sorry. Did you just make a phone call? No, it's, it, it automatically like had an automatic call. But <laughs> um, what was it? What was the phone? 
called, I mean, what was the um the group? They was like, oh, you're going to remember. Once I say it, you're going to remember. Jerky Boys? Jerky Boys. Yeah. <laughs> Jerky Boys. <laughs> they were great. Jerky Boys. Like, incredible. Oh, they were the fucking best. That was the most incredible. Like, that shit to this day. I got a, I got a sealed Jerky Boys CD. Really? Yep. yep. Yeah. They were the best. I would listen to that all night. I would just listen to the Jerky Boys. And, you know, the phone skits before was yeah. phone skits. They were just so, who are those guys, actually? You haven't seen their faces? Oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they, really? uh, Rizzo, Mike Rizzo, was it, they, they, they're all over. They Really? Yeah, they did some live shows, I think. But they, uh, yeah, they were the best, man. They were the best. Is that him? Uh, yeah, I think that That's is. That's crazy. Yeah, I never, they, I never seen their face, but I know those covers. That's them? Yeah, I think so. That's crazy. Wait, they wait, were wait, wait. fucking hilarious. Yeah, that's crazy. I've never ever, I've never ever seen those guys. So, um, <laughs> so what was uh? I want to I want to ask you about your app. I want to ask you about your podcast. Yeah. But I have to ask. I have to ask because I think such a, a what was Kobe like playing with Kobe? Now Kobe was incredible, man. Like Kobe, um, he worked extremely hard. So I thought I was the hardest worker. Even in my documentary, Jermaine O'Neal was like, you know, Ron Artest is one of the hardest workers. And I was, but when I got with Kobe, I'm like, damn, this guy works extremely hard. I thought I was the hardest worker ever, you know? And then, um, you know, from that perspective, he would be at the gym, 5.45 a.m., working on the jab, jab step. I remember watching him one day, and he was just working on a jab step. Everybody did it like 100 times. You know, just like perfecting the jab. And I'm like, I see why, because the jab is it's like a jab. It's like a real jab, yeah. like in boxing. Like you, it's really important to execute the jab the right way. And I was like, this guy is incredible. He would, he would work on one move a lot, just like do the same move over and over. The next day, he's working on something else. Um, and was very well prepared. When you prepare that well, you don't really have to worry about anything. And I actually called him one day because I was trying to give some encouragement to my players when I was coaching. While I was playing, I was coaching. Um, and I was like, Kobe, why, how, how do you get so confident? I, I, I just texted him. I was like, how do you get so confident? Like, where does that come from? Like, I want to hear it from somebody else's perspective. Yeah. I know where it comes from for me. And he just said preparation. And he was really good at one-word answers that made sense. <laughs> Even though we would have some conversations, but he's real efficient, really busy. Yeah. So he would, he would respond, and he would say, and he would give you these um, efficient um, and to-the-point ways to, uh, you know, follow through and, and help you out and different things like that from business and everything. He, he, he would be in the back of the bus and I asked him a question, and he literally quote a Jay-Z lyric with what I asked him, and it made sense. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. Within seconds. Wow. You know what I'm saying? I thought that was interesting. Yeah, very interesting. <laughs> I thought it was interesting. You could quote a Jay-Z lyric. Nobody else lyrics. Maybe some Nas. Yeah. Maybe some Nas. But very, like Nas, I might have heard him say a Nas quote, and he loved Nas. But I might have heard him say a Nas quote, I don't know, two or three times? Then tons of Jay Z quotes. Really? Yeah, he's really like just, just really witty like that, you know. So re really, I learned so much from being around him. Yeah. And he also believes that in your forties, he said, "That's when you hit your prime." He would always say that. Really? He said, "He said I can't wait to turn forty. Man, we we we're about to be forty. <laughs> I thought that about, about to be. I on. thought that about comedy. I was like, when I turn forty, I'm gonna have a career. Mm -hmm. I got to be forty because in thirty, I and when I'm in my thirties, I had nothing to say of any value. Like <laughs> all my perspectives were fucking." half they were they were no there was no perspective yeah. when i turned 40 and I, my comedy got better when i was like 45 i guess i got i think i got really good at like 44 45 yeah 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 
I mean, I feel great at Florida. Obviously, not 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 the athlete I want. I'll go to the court and um, you know, I'll just look at the rim, and I might feel good that day. Then I'll try to dunk or think about it. Sometimes I get anxiety thinking about dunking. Oh, can I? Can, can you, you know what up, I'm saying? Like, pull up Tom's dunk clip. <laughs> my buddy Tom tried to dunk, and 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 it ended horribly. It might be the worst dunk that's ever happened. Are you okay watching someone hurt themselves? I mean, yeah, let's do okay, it. Okay, yeah. So this, his name's <laughs> Tom Segura, and this is him dunking. See if you can find the actual dunk. Go, oh boy, it didn't end well. It looks, he looks in pain. Okay, back oh, it up, shucks. back it up, back it up. Is that an arm? That's, he hurt his arm. Yeah, yeah. Watch this. He blew out, ruptured his patella. Oh Watch. no! Oh no! Did I? I heard it. <laughs> oh, oh no! That's his hands backwards. Oh. His, what the fuck? What the fuck? What the fuck happened to his arm? What the, his knee and arm? His knee and his arm. What the fuck? Luckily, I was there to turn it around for him. Ah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. He How did you do a knee and arm? He, his, uh. His, I guess he was too overweight, and his patella just ruptured. But what about the arm? Is well, he tried to catch himself. I know. <laughs> oh my goodness! That's rough. You played a the lot of basketball. Have you ever seen anything like that? Not the knee and arm at the same time. No. Oh. No. Oh. Yeah, oh. I know. I know. I know. I know. Oh. oh. Okay. Okay. It's one. It might be the worst basketball injury ever, right? That shit is insane. That might be the worst basketball uh, injury ever. God. <laughs> it's insane. Oh, my goodness. He's doing better now. He, when uh, did this happen? This happened about a year ago. Oh, no, yeah, that's yeah. way too recent. Yeah, his, uh. his, he still has to wear a brace if he exercises on his knee, and he had nerve transplant surgery in his arm because, uh, because the break was pretty severe. He tried to dunk? He tried to dunk. Can yeah. he? Uh, did he ever dunk in his life? He that was a. He was trying to dunk on a nine foot rim there. Did he ever so even was, dunk? Did he ever touch the rim in his life? Nah, I mean he got a couple good ones in, but that was obviously that's the last. You dunk. ever seen him dunk <laughs> it, it, on a ten foot rim? No, 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 not on a 10 on that foot. rim. Yeah, yeah, that's insane. Yeah, right. How does that even happen? Like how? How is it? When do you know it's time that your patella is going to go out? I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like at what point in time? Is your body saying today is the day that your patella that ruptures? Your patella is going out. That it ruptures. It exploded, and that's what happened. Is he went to jump, and his patella just exploded, and and he had no leg to to lift with. Pretty, yeah, pretty aggressive. Well, that's pretty crazy. I mean, I, I saw a couple injuries like that. That was pretty freaky. Hold on. <laughs> What's that? Is that him on there with Joe Rogan? Yeah. So he's <laughs> talking to his his. his that's crazy. He's talking about his injury with Joe. So I was playing basketball with him that day. We were doing a dunk contest. Did you dunk? Yeah, but I we we started on a lower rim. Okay. And then Oh, here, Tristan th was there too? Yeah, you know Tristan. So he was there that day? Yeah, he was there. Oh, Tristan. Yeah, he's great, right? He's a good dude. Yeah. So Good guy. We played Tristan 2 on 1. He beat us. <laughs> and then Oh, wow. Yeah. Man. Is that yeah, you? That's me. You got no left hand, huh? No. <laughs> you went left with your right hand. Yeah, I went left with my right hand. Yeah, I got no left hand. 
So here, go to our dunks. Are our dunks on here? I guess not. You're I used like, to play basketball. You're going right. I was. Oh, look at that. Go. Oh, put it back in the right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he got a good shot. Yeah. I mean, you could tell he knew how to play. Yeah, he, 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 this must have been his first time playing basketball since he, in a while, he in a while. Yeah. Here, that's me dancing. We okay. don't need to see that. So, um, but, uh, <laughs> so, so tell me about your podcast. What, 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 what got you into doing, starting a podcast? Well, it actually, actually, we did a podcast like so seven years ago. Really? Me and my boys. Yeah, we did a podcast, but I never had the outlet to get distribution or, I didn't know anybody in entertainment to make it happen how yeah. I vision, how I visualized it, envisioned it. So we did a podcast seven years ago called Metaphorically Speaking. And that's the name, name of now. it. Yeah, yeah. Name now, yeah. And we had a round table. We interviewed a bunch of people. We had like, we was doing all the stuff that they're doing now with like drinks and stuff. We were drinking on the show. It's like drink champs almost. It, it was, was just like that. I before love drink, drink champs. champs. Before I drink love champs. drink champs, yeah. It was just, it was very similar. Um, and then after we did the show, we recorded eight episodes. And so we got these episodes and we had nobody that we, we didn't know who to give them to. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I wasn't in the scene. I don't know what, what's the next step. Yeah. And I, but I knew I wanted to do podcasting because I wanted to do, talk to different types of people, you know, um, about different types of things. Well, you're in the prime of your life right now, the prime of your life. You've got money. You've got interests. I mean, it's like, uh, honestly, quite honestly, it's, it's, I believe that's what happened to Rogan. It's same scenario. He'd done Fear Factory, had done news radio, and he was looking for something to interest him. And he got into the podcast. And through that podcast, he's invested in multiple companies. He's sold multiple companies. It really, and, and he's a curious, Joe's a curious person. And, and I, I think it's fucking great for a guy like you. I think that's awesome. I mean, I was trying to do it for a long, really since 2007. Really? Yeah, 2007. We tried our first, we tried to do a mental health podcast. But once again, we had the vision. But we, how do you take it from here and get it out to the masses. We was trying to do a mental health podcast, and we were in Sacramento at the time. And I remember meeting with a few people, some social workers. Yeah. Um, but I always was interested in talk. Obviously, I was rapping and talking and out in the media and stuff. But now that, you know, uh, then over the years, I said, you know what? I'm just going to take my time because I want to figure out how to get out my message, you know, out when I want to get it out. Yeah. Obviously, you got YouTube and you have all these other platforms. But once again, you still got to get, you still got to get, it's the support of the people on the platform to get it out, you know, and you got to have a team. So, so it's so much that comes with a podcast. So I said, you know, I just wait. Yeah. And then things started to just, you know, fall into place. Um, and now we, we're going to do 10 shows and see where it goes from there. That's great. Yeah. I think that's awesome, man. Mm -hmm. uh, awesome. I'm excited about Who's it. Who's your dream guest to get? Um, dream guest. It's not a person. It's a topics. Really? Yeah. Like, like I, 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 I like, I like, um, I like racist topics. <laughs> yeah. I love racist topics. I love um not not from a bad perspective. No, 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 I know. I know. A I curious perspective. Listen, I my favorite thing in the world is to talk about race. My favorite thing in the world is to talk about cultural differences. Yeah, I love that. I, it it is I I you know as a as a white comic, you'll make jokes and I remember making a joke. Uh the joke was uh it's racist they don't make black baby powder. Yeah. <laughs> Like, they should make, it's just, all they make is the white stuff. A white guy gets rash, it blends in. Black guy gets rash, he's got to ghost ride the whip. And then I was like, and then I was like, they should make 
you know, eight different shades of black paper powder, call it Johnson and Magic Johnson and Johnson's. And then Warren Sapp told me, he goes, uh, he goes, they don't make it because we don't have a problem with moisture the way you guys do. I was like, what? He's like, our problem's retaining moisture. I miss moisture. those jokes, too. I, I, risk, I miss racist jokes. You can't, I, when I grew up, obviously we don't like racist people. Like right? her, yeah, we don't yeah. like oppression. Yeah, yeah, we don't no. want that. But like back in the days, like you can make a joke about anything. Yeah. I'm, you can't make yeah. a joke about nothing. I, I'm like, we need a room where, okay, if you don't like edgy jokes, turn your television off. Yeah, I agree. Get out the room because we about to go in today. I like, think. I miss those jokes. I've heard some, I've heard some brilliant. <laughs> Even about myself, like where, like, you know. I've heard some brilliant jokes about race throughout the years that I've been like, that's fucking great. Maybe not racist jokes, race jokes. Race jokes. You want, race jokes. What you want to know is it comes from a good place. And you want to know that you want to know that there's no there's no ill intent. And the weird thing as a comic is you want to make you want to make sure that your audience gets what you're saying. And it's the, funny, like I think it's funny if you stereotype someone. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I mean, from a from a, like a, a comedic yeah, from a comedic yeah, right. I think I thought point out everyone's differences and, and make light of them is, is yeah, yeah, completely fine. And I, I mean, as a comic, you always want to take the big swing and hope you get away with it. And I've taken <laughs> I've taken some really big swings. I, I was in I was in Chicago one time. And there's a dude, his name's Romeo Gold, right? And he is he is uh covered, he is head to toe in gold lame, right? It's like a, a dashiki with matching pants yeah. and matching shoes. And he's got like he's got his hair done up like Cat Williams. Like he's good is a flashy looking guy. It's in the front row. And he's and he and I I just I go, You're <laughs> you're you're a good looking man. I go, you I like the way you dress. He has a cane with him. And he stands up and he goes, the name is Romeo Gold. And obviously, it's not his real name, I'm sure. But I go, I go, that's that's a great name. And he goes, it's a great name. It's my real name. And I went, really? He goes, yes. And I said, well, I go, there's got it. I go, with a name like that comes great responsibility. I go, when you were a kid, did your dad sit you down? And then I go, I'm just kidding. You're black. You don't know your dad. And the place went nuts, right? And Romeo starts laughing. I go, hold on. And they're it's all white people. They're booing me. And I go, hold on, hold on. It's a joke based on statistics. It's a joke based on statistics. I go, let's find out if it worked. I go, Romeo, did you know your father? And he goes, I never met the man. <laughs> and the place went nuts. And then I ended up partying with Romeo all night long at the bar. He was a great fucking guy. Photographer. He ended up taking pictures for us. I, th I think like when you, I think, you know, when you go through things together, like in this yeah. world, I mean, you make light. I mean, we, we want things to improve, but being able to like laugh about it and then being able to do something about it. Yeah. I just think it's something about that. You know, I think it's just so many rules now, you know, um, where, where you can't really enjoy each other. Enjoy each other's flaws. Make, laugh at yourself. Yeah. You know, and, and and then you get to know about someone, actually. Well, you let me you know, know, and I'll load, I'll load your podcast up with a bunch of comics that'll tell just all, all just all good. You'll, I, have a I actually blast. seen, so I actually went to a couple of shows over the last year, and people, I think it's coming back. Oh, yeah. Bill Burr. <laughs> you ever seen sure. Bill Burr? Yeah, Bill's, Bill's edgy. Bill's sure. the fucking best, man. He is the sure. best. He's told jokes where I go, like, the premise, I'm like, yeah. what the fuck? <laughs> this podcast is brought to you by 3G, the industry leader in Delta 8 THC products. All products are formulated by a biochemist and made in the USA with USA-grown hemp. 3G Delta-8 is a federally legal version of THC and is a more functional alternative to marijuana because it gives an amazing buzz with a great body feel, but with a clear head, less anxiety, and less paranoia. And it's available online at 3Chi.com. That's the number 3Chi.com and retailers around the country. And remember, this is not CBD. It's psychoactive, so it's going to give you a buzz. So please use responsibly. 
Three Chi now has Delta 8 ball candies, Delta 8 cookies, Delta 8 crispy treats available in, uh, they've got the crispy treats are available in crispy and fruity flavor. They've got cookies that are chocolate chip and sugar, if I'm not mistaken. And they also have disposable vapes. A separate battery is no longer needed for your vape cartridge anymore. These come ready to use right out of the box and are available in 10 strains. Go to 3chi.com. That's the number 3chi.com and shop for Delta 8 edibles, vapes, tinctures, gummies, and oils that can be used to make your own homemade edibles. Use the code BIRD at checkout and receive 5% off your order. Remember, you must be 21 to purchase. Today's program is brought to you by Athletic Greens. I got Athletic Greens in here. You do. It's so nice when you're on the road to be able to put one scoop, I think in eight ounces of water. Yeah, that's right. And to know that you're getting all the stuff your body needs to be healthy. Mm-hmm. For me, it's a no-brainer. Um, I love it because it makes sure I'm getting all the necessary nutrients, especially after a hard workout. And I've been working out hard on the road. And it's nice because it's like I don't have to overthink food. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I just go to that and go, I'm taken care of. One tasty scoop of AG1 contains 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients, including a multivitamin, multimineral, probiotic, green superfood blend, and more in one convenient daily serving. The special blend of high-quality ingredients and a scoop of AG1 work together to fill the nutritional gaps in your diet, support energy focus, and aid with gut health, which is like my number one problem. More importantly, the reason I take it on the road is it supports a healthy immune system, effectively replacing multi-products, pills, or all the stuff that you get. You just have to take in one health delicious drink. Join the movement of athletes, life leads, moms, dads, rookies, first-timers, and everyone in between taking ownership of their daily health and focusing on the nutritional products they need, they really need, in the simplest manner possible. That's essential nutrition. Make To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you an immune-supporting, free, one-year supply of vitamin D wow. and five free travel packs with your first purchase if you visit athleticgreens.com slash Burt today again simply visit athleticgreens.com slash burnt to take control of your health and give ag1 a try so you got the 10 episodes in the can and then we got five yeah five and we got to do five more five more <laughs> and, and, uh, you shoot them out of over at podcast one mm-hmm. nice it's a great place yeah, it's a good place i like it yeah podcast yeah one's good. that's great and then uh and uh and then the app tell me about the app x vs x yeah, you know, I wanted to stay close to the game. Uh, so I developed this app because after I retired, I wanted to do 20 years in NBA. But, or professionally, not just the NBA. Yeah. So when I retired, I didn't retire. When I was let go from the Lakers, I was trying to get back on or go somewhere else. They didn't let me do it. So I said, I'm just going to build an app where I could travel the world and play basketball. So as I was doing it, um, I, I said, okay, I, don't, I was going to go by myself initially. Because I, I literally came up with the idea. And I didn't want to give people my tell my my cell phone number, my emails, just sign up to that, see you at the game, and I'll never see you again. Yeah. Um, but then when I was doing it, I said, I might want to bring people with me. So I said, oh my goodness, this is going to cost. I said, okay, how can we get this paid for? Well, I'm not paying for it. So when I was thinking about it, I said, oh wow, this might be a big opportunity here. So I took a step back, kind of built out the plan with a few people, got some people to invest in this uh, in the app, and made it not just for me, but for other people. So basically, you know, you can sign up to the app, create a game, input the score, your stats, uh, do everything on the phone, put up highlights, uh, then it, it populates to the app. Um, the, your win stays on your 
your profile on your record forever. Um, and now we'll be able to go live and you'll be able to get exposure within this community that we're creating um, without having to be in the NBA, without yeah. having to be in the NCAA. There's a lot of basketball players in America, but some of our basketball players are, maybe they don't have good enough grades. You know, maybe something happened in the household with the family yeah. where they just took off a year. Maybe they work at Starbucks. Maybe they were, maybe they're an attorney. Yeah. Right? So how do you help them play and give them a professional experience on their time? Right? Um, so that's what we've been doing and we've been, build, we've been building this community in LA and it's been fun because I'm now I'm able to coach. Um, uh, I'm coaching adults, women, men. Really? Yeah. Coaching, running the league, sometimes doing the score. Um, we just went live for the first time on the app last week. Really? Just tested it out only for the users. So we loved it. Yeah. You know, um, and now we're about to expand on that. Um, and it's just, it's just been great. It's basketball, but it's, a you know, it's, it's building a community, you know, uh, for the basketball players, build your own audience, you know, where, you know, if you're right now, we look at the NBA and, or we look at the NCAA, that's where we look at basketball. But people love basketball around the country. Yeah. Right. They just want to see constant basketball. <clears throat> You know, um, I remember watching those games at Washington Square Park, not Washington Square Park on Fourth Street by mm -hmm. the McDonald's down in, in, in Manhattan. Mm -hmm. I remember watching games there and being like, oh, shit, these guys can ball Great like games. they're fucking good. Yeah. And, and right now, with technology, you're able to capture these games now, put them on Instagram. Yeah. Like, how can we take that to the next level and build a, you know, a platform strictly for that, you know, and use all this technology, all this, you know, these, these simple technologies. And these libraries they have, how can you bring it together and just strictly for basketball? Um, and that's what we're trying to do and then try to find good talent to give them opportunities, you know, in the NBA, NCAA, even high schools. And you go to Arkansas or you go to South Dakota oh, or Wyoming. Yeah. Like who's, who's good out there? They, they're not in LA. They're not in the big cities, right? Maybe they're playing basketball on the farm. Maybe they're playing basketball in the hood Yeah. with no, with no shoes or no hoop. They got to put a crate up. How can you discover these people? That's great. Right? So- um, that, that's what it's for. It's, it's almost like it, it's almost like scouting. It's like bro broadening scouting. For sure, scouts will, scouts should absolutely be on this platform. The future agents should be on this platform because you might find a talent, you know, that you would never have found. <laughs> yeah. In any other case, did you watch Malice at the Palace? I watched it. Yeah. What did you think? Because I felt like Quiet Storm was a little more uh, healing, if that makes sense. <laughs> Malice in the Palace was just to set the record straight that the fans tried to take out. Yeah, the, the, well, it's, it's interesting. The, the untold is interesting because it shows you how no cops were there to help. The, the, it wasn't the cops' fault. But, it was, but they were like, those fans went onto the court. But you can't blame the cops, right? The cops, it wasn't the cops' fault. The, the cops is home. A couple of them's at the game. We're at a sporting yeah. event. Yeah. This is not boxing. They never thought This is not a happen. rap concert. Yeah. Right, so... We can't let the, the cops be the, the, the scapegoat. Yeah. This was a fan that started it, and then these other fans. Yeah, we can't, we can't blame the local law enforcement yeah. for that. It was interesting because Malice the Palace, the untold documentary on, on, on untold series is fucking amazing on Netflix. Yeah, incredible. All of them are so good. But it really breaks down things that i didn't know like like you guys were beating them so bad that all the season ticket holders that good seats just ended up leaving so other fans came down and took their seats and that 
But in, in Quiet in the Storm, didn't it say that you had reached out to the guy that threw the beer at you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, John Green. I reached out to him because just like my thing was, I was very upset for years. I'm saying, you know what? I'm just going to get over this because I just thought it was really dangerous that when I watched it, I'm like, this could turn, potentially turn to a race issue. Yeah. When I watched it. Oh. Right? And yeah. over the years. And then meanwhile, I already had philanthropy going on at that time. Yeah. I already was doing philanthropy even when I was going through all that stuff. Yeah. So my mind, that, that's, that's what I, you know, I changed my name to World Peace. I kind of opened up the world for mental health. Like, yeah. it's kind of what I like to do. Right? So from my perspective, I said, you know, I should, I'll reach out to him and we'll do something together like this. Yeah. Um, and kind of change the world, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Right? That changed the world right there. This is a big incident. So initially, that's why I reached out to him. I said, and then he agreed, like, hey, let's do some positive stuff. And he agreed. But like, once again, we was never able to get it out because, you know, you need power behind you all the time. Yeah. I, I went to brands to, hey, I'm not about to pay out of my pocket for us to go travel. Yeah, 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 <laughs> and yeah. And this would yeah. be big for your brand. And we yeah. both want to do it. And I thought it, it would, I thought it would have been big. It's a big statement. It would have been, yeah. You know what I'm saying? I thought it would be a big statement to show we had a big issue and now we're going to have a, a, a bear together. Yeah. <laughs> or something, right? And just talk about the, what happened. It's, it's so fascinating. I, I've watched it now. I've watched it a bunch because of, but I watched them all by myself and then I knew you were coming on and I rewatched them. But it's so funny to see the guy that threw the beer as you run up just kind of walk by and then the one guy is going, hey, you can see him say, he's like, oh shit, it's Ron Artest. He should have said he did it. Yeah, he should have been, it was him. He was, That's yeah. what he should have. And, the, and then the one guy that came out on the fucking. I for sure, it was so it was a bad spot because when you get up there, it was really slippery. So every move you make, is uh, amplified. Like if you try to even pull a shirt, you're yeah. going to trip and pull a shirt. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So initially, I just wanted to grab his shirt and say, you mother effer. <laughs> yeah. Don't you ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Throw a yeah. Right? And shake him out of his damn clothes. But um, and, and, but when I was up there, and then, then as we were, as I was falling on top of him, you know, um, I didn't throw a punch at all up there. Yeah. You know, and then as I was on top of him, then, then John, the guy who, who kind of skinnied up, he held me back. So I'm like, okay, he holding me back. I don't really want nobody touching me, but it's about time we get off. The, it's about time we get out of here, right? Yeah, yeah. Then I got hit with the bear yeah. by the other thing. I don't even know what the other guy was. So many people, I don't know. So then he hit me with, then Steve, that's when Steve threw that punch. Yeah. When Steve threw that punch, then the other guy hit me. Then the John, the guy who's doing oh, the bear. Oh, really? He, then he started punching me. So I'm like, the guy's actually pulling me off. Now he's punching me. So I'm like, then, I, then I'm trying to size him up, oh my but God. I can't quite get my feet. Yeah. I can't see him, so I'm trying to... I said, okay, just throw a punch. So I just throw a couple punches, and then I just get out of there. Yeah. I'm like, damn. I want, I wanted to stay because I'm like, guys, this is my fight. Like, get the hell out of here. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> you guys are going to get in trouble. I, I've been in trouble. I know how, I know how this works. <laughs> but then I left, and then I looked up. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Fred Jones is in the stands. David Harrison's in the stands. I think not Reggie Miller was in the stands, but oh yeah, um, <laughs> the big guy from the Detroit Pistons was in the stands. Ben oh, Wallace, God. Rick Mahone, Rick, Rick Mahone, Rick, Rick Mahone, <laughs> Rick was in the stands. Yeah. Um, and then uh, then I get back down to the arena, to, to the court. I was really upset, so I'm like, yeah, I just, I, you know, I just, I just whooped somebody's ass in the stands. I, you know, I'm kind of on the court. Everything is good. Yeah. You know, ain't no, nobody's gonna touch me again, right? Yeah. I, I proved my point. Yeah, I get these two little people look coming up, to, coming to me. Two little people, yes. They actually, it wasn't little. It was big. I, the the, they the were one guy, they were they were fat, 
but they were much shorter than you. They were short, but they were and big. That one, they tried to jump me. That one, yeah. It was such a bizarre, like it was Crazy. so. It, his body language as he stepped to you was so. Uh, it spoke volumes. He does that little like step, and then he destroys. Just proceeds to get knocked out twice. I think. Yeah, I was like, oh, I, I was like just, are you serious right now? I just couldn't believe it. And then, so after you know, you know, it was so much bare on the floor. You yeah. Know? And then we tried to attack the guy, and then then Jermaine hits him, and then it was just it was just a crazy night. And then uh, you know, we walking back to the to the to the arena, you just don't know what's happening. So I'm just like, I didn't even know the cops was coming to mace me. When I saw the cops, I'm like, okay, they're here to protect it. So I looked the other way to make sure nobody coming this way. But yeah. I didn't realize they had the mace out. <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh, wow, these guys about to... I saw it years later, like just recently. Yeah. I'm like, wow. Then, then Jermaine got a lot of other content that nobody saw. But we got so much content that, that we didn't see in Untold. Yeah. That I watched it. I'm like, wow, this is really wild. But, you know, I'm glad we're on the other side. Yeah, yeah. It's... I'm really happy we're on the other side. Yeah. I'm, dude, I'm, I'm really happy for where you are as a fan. Cause like I said, I, I knew who you were, and then to know that, yeah, to know that you're also a metaphor <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I was such an idiot, man. But it's I'm really happy for you, man. You it seemed like you're you're killing it. You're absolutely killing it, and continued success. Yeah, and like I said, to you if, too. if you ever need a bunch of comics on your podcast, I'll organize the posse. <laughs> all you got to do is give me the names you want. I'll get us all there, and we'll we'll have a blast. Absolutely. Hey, yeah. thank you for doing this, Ron. Thank you, uh, meta, meta. I'm sorry. It's all right. Thank you, brother. Thank absolutely. you very much. Thank awesome. you. <laughs> This episode was brought to you by The Machine.